Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Semi Pro. I hope you all had a very nice holiday and a happy new year. My name is Josh Clements, or Brit Edit. And I am Dalton Barrett, aka Barrett Digital. Josh, I want you to know that you did that so fast. It made me so happy. That was your best <laughs> well, intro so far. <laughs> Starting off the new year to a good start. <laughs> no, it's not. We're talking about Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> The, the most divisive film in the DCU since Batman vs. Superman. Uh, I'd say every film in the DCU has been divisive. Wonder Woman was divisive a few months after it came out. Because when it came out, people were like, wait, this movie is actually half decent? That's incredible. <laughs> and then everybody loved it. But then when they rewatched it, they were like, oh, no, it's it's fine. <laughs> One of the things that I liked about Black Mask in Birds of Prey and Pedro Pascal, um, his Max Lord in this movie, probably a little less so in this movie, and we'll we'll get into that a little later, uh, just so you know, full spoilers for Wonder Woman 84. Um, one of the things that I particularly like is the lack of sympathy for the villain. Because we don't see that anymore. Now there's always, every villain's got to have a sympathetic origin and they've got to... You know, they've got to do this and, and this, and we want to feel bad for them, and we want to feel the, you know, the emotion that comes with it all, or whatever. But we've seen so much of that, and it's been perfected so well. I just want to see a bad guy who's evil because he's evil. Because you're not going to top, you know, Thanos in, in Wonder Woman 84. You're just not going to do it. So let's just get a villain who's evil... For the sake of being evil, which I think Max Lord was to an extent. They gave him some sympathy and, and whatever, but for the most part, he was just a bad guy because he was a bad guy. Like, there was no sort of uh, trying to um, redeem him or trying to make him sympathetic. There was no, like, oh, he's got his own reasonings. He thinks he's the good guy. No, he just was evil because he was evil. He wanted the world. Uh, yes, yes, no. Okay, before we jump into any kind of proper discussion, <laughs> do you want to just say whether or not you actually liked Wonder Woman 84? Yes, and I did like Wonder Woman 84. I actually kind of loved Wonder Woman 84. I mean, the movie's not taking home any awards or anything. I don't think it's some stellar film, but it, it hits all the right notes. I found it very enjoyable. I found it somewhat refreshing in the... Um, I guess kind of modern world of comic book movies, I found it refreshing that it tried to do some things different. I found those things interesting. I don't know that everyone did. Um, I should preface this by saying I did see the movie in a theater. Um, and from, you know, most of the people I've talked to who saw it in a theater really liked the movie. Most of the people I talked to who saw it at home didn't like it as much. Uh, so I do think my experience was benefited by seeing it in a theater, but I did really enjoy the movie. What about you, Josh? Well, so I I, I just got off watching the movie about a couple of hours ago now. I didn't... Okay, I don't think it's the worst thing to ever exist. I don't think it's the greatest thing to ever exist. I think it's very mediocre. Like, straight down the line. It's not great... It's not awful. It's got some good moments and it's got some bad moments, but for the most part, it's just kind of all right. Uh, with that said, I watched it on a total, totally legitimate streaming service uh, because HBO Max has definitely released over here and they made a great business choice of releasing all their movies on HBO Max or in cinemas, 
where we can't go because I'm currently locked down again for the fourth time. Uh, so I watched it on a German streaming service called One Two Three Movies. Uh, but I and I admittedly was not that interested in the movie when it started, but it, it gave me back towards the third act. The end of the second act kind of brought me back a lot. Um, but it was, it's fun. You know, it's it's not awful. It's pretty fun for the most part when it's not boring. <laughs> um, See, I didn't find much of the movie boring, and I completely agree with you when it's like, this movie is fine. It checks the boxes. It does the things it needs to do. It's a very efficient movie. Like, they very efficiently... I say that it's two and a half hours long, but it's a, it's a very efficient movie. It, <laughs> it, it, Like I said, it checks the boxes it needs to check, and it does the things it needs to do, and it does those things passably. However, what I think lifts it just a little bit above that is how much different the... Uh, sort of the overarching entirety of the movie is from the majority of comic book media. And I said this after I got out of the movie, a movie that I'm a big fan of and that I see a lot more people coming around to now, but you know, is Superman returns and people have the same complaint that you have about Wonder Woman 84, that Superman returns is boring. But the thing I like about Superman returns is first and foremost, it's not an action movie or it's not, a superhero movie. First and foremost, it's a it's a love story, um, and I feel like Wonder Woman eighty four has a lot of elements of that, especially in the you know the the second act kind of um, well most of the second act it feels more like a love story between uh, Steve and Diana, which unlike Superman Returns, they knew when to say, all right, that's enough of the love story. Let's have an action scene. And then, okay, the action scene's over. Let's develop this love story a little more. Okay, that's enough of that. Another action scene. So I felt like because of that, it it sort of took the Superman Returns formula where it is, first and foremost, a love story and secondary an action movie. But it did that in a way that felt a lot more balanced than the way Superman Returns did it. And for that re that's that's a big part of the reason that I enjoy this movie so much is because it's not just like Ant Man and the Wasp is 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 an example that we everybody uses all the time. It's the most generic middle of the line comic book movie that has ever existed. There's nothing there's nothing bad about it particularly. There's nothing stellar about it particularly. It's just fine. And Wonder Woman 84 is just fine, but then I think it's lifted just a step above by the fact that its plot is so much different. Its its plot is actually, it's probably what took it away from me uh, in terms of the things I enjoyed. Because, now we, we talked a bit about this before, Chris Pine has fantastic charisma and charm and just a great chemistry with Gal Gadot. And I think if it wasn't for that, I would have disliked this movie a lot more. Um... Like that that through line of him and Wonder Woman's story works quite well for me. It was just everything else that happened around it that didn't. Um Yeah, I, I really like the that I like the the Steve Trevor plot, which is the thing I was going into this movie thinking I was gonna hate the most was um Steve Trevor coming back and I was like, that's gonna be so stupid. Um but I liked the way they handled it. Um, and I liked the, um, I'll get your opinions on this, the, the Spider-Man two trope 
you know, the, the, the trope that Spider-Man 2 started where the hero loses their powers halfway through the movie and has to get them back somehow to save the day at the end, which Superman returned. No, Superman 2 did as well. So I guess Superman 2 started that trend, but I, I enjoyed that. And I liked the, once again, because like you said, Chris Pine and Gal Gadot have great chemistry together. And I don't know if it's just because I like Chris Pine or because they actually have good chemistry together, but watching them, that was my favorite part of the movie. And that was my favorite part of the first movie too. So uh, this is okay. So this comes into one of the reasons why I like the first movie more. Um, see the first movie to me has despite its setting a much more localized story it's just about diana like diana and uh, steve trevor basically it's like you know it's about their relationship and how it prospers and evolves and ultimately his sacrifice uh, amongst the idea of men being good over men being evil um and i liked that sort of toned down smaller story in comparison to this film where like it did the thing that I'm not as big a fan of with comic book movies uh, sim- like you said because I think every movie does it where it's like the entire world is at risk and if they fail then the nukes will go off and everyone dies and it's just to me I prefer that kind of toned down story it's just more refreshing it's more niche um I agree with you. That's my least favorite part of the movie, but I had the same issue with the first movie because it was kind of the same thing with Ares as the as the villain. Um, well, I think both films suffer from underdeveloped villains. Yes. Well, because I think Maxwell Lord is a great villain in this movie, and he's so yes. much fun to watch. The villain's plots uh, is where is where the faults come in. Um, well, I, I, I mean, I was talking more. I think I was talking more about Cheetah. She seems very. Well, we just need to, we need to throw in Cheetah because people like Cheetah. Yeah, I, I think the the, because this movie's too long. Let's let's get that uh, yes, let's yes, let's get yes, that out of the way right yes. now, right here and right now. Wonder Woman in eighty four is two and a half hours long, and it does not need to be. No movie needs to be that long. That it just mm-hmm. doesn't. Um. And the cheetah plot is the thing from this movie that I would say, just take it out, save it for later. Or take out the Maxwell Lord plot and save that for later. But I preferred the Maxwell Lord plot, so let's do that one now. Like, I, I get them kind of wanting to, to weave them both in and having the two villains. But Cheetah was fine. There was nothing particularly wrong. It's not like a, like a Spider-Man 3 situation where it's too many villains... And none of them get adequate screen time. They both get adequate adequate screen time. The movie's just too long. And Cheetah's character comes up somewhat pointless in the grand scheme of things. Even though she was fine. And I really like Kristen Wiig's performance too. But it just felt like there was no reason for her to be there. Uh, had she been given an actual reason to be there and was the main villain of the movie, you could do pretty much everything in her story the same and it would still be fine. But I think you could just rip that whole thing out and shave off like 45 minutes of this movie and it would benefit from that. But I do think Maxwell Lord was so good that he carried a lot of this movie for me because we know Gal Gadot is not carrying this movie for me. Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, he, he's the best part of the movie. Well, it's once again, and I've, I, I think I said this to you, this is like 
the, what is this, her fourth appearance. This is the fourth time that Wonder Woman has been the worst part of the movie that she's in. Like, uh, Wonder Woman was the worst written character in Justice League. She was the worst written, uh, she was pointless in BVS. Like, I, I get they wanted to throw her in, but there was no reason to have her there. Uh, she was the worst part of the first movie. Like, I don't know if there, I don't know why Wonder Woman is, and it's, I'm not even talking about Gal Gadot's acting because I, I don't think it's any secret that she's not the greatest actress, but even outside of that, her character isn't written particularly interesting at all anytime she's appeared. And I think this is probably her weakest outing and it's well, definitely but- Gadot's weakest outing from an acting point of view. Mm, yeah, that that part's definitely true. Well, it, it's like, so the opening of this movie, outside of the weirdly pointless Themyscira stuff that doesn't seem to exist. I loved out, that scene, though. I, I, I like the scene, just, it was just pointless and seemed out of place. And it was, um, that's one of those things where it was like, I, I think it kind of trying to keep tonally with the first movie where it opened in Themyscira. Um, I don't mind it. I think it's neat. I think the idea behind it was... Um, to show that if you cheat to get, I mean, it was, it was thematically, if you cheat to get your way stuff where she's like, you can't be a liar and be a winner or something like that. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's what it was. It's, Oh, this is the lesson, but you can't teach Diana anything in the movie. You can't develop her character. So they just did it retroactively at the beginning when she was a child, I guess. Well, like the, the, so the actual opening to the movie is, uh, these people robbing them all, uh, like they they rob a jewelry store that's a front for a black marketplace and that ends up kicking off the whole story, uh, but these guys rob them all and one guy just grabs like a child. Yeah, I yeah, why? I didn't understand this. Yeah, because he he grabs a child and like he's dangling her over an edge and he's like I'm, I'm not going back, man. It's like you're gonna kill a child. Like what? What's your plan there? Yeah, he went he went from <laughs> from a robbery to murder. <laughs> murdering a child. Yeah, I I agree there. And it also but wasn't like, necessary for Diana to stop the criminals for him to threaten this child. Like it was like this was just cops, like more cops. Right. This was yeah. Paul Block. Yeah, it that but part like, yeah, was it, was that, odd, but I like that action set piece was was neat. Um, well, the action set piece is neat, but it's also, I think, my biggest issue with Wonder Woman at this point, where she is a god. Like, you can't touch her, really. So there's no, whenever there's a fight scene or anything like that, I don't feel any stress. Well, people toss around the term Mary Sue a lot, and I hate I hate that term. Um, just because I think it's it has to do, people don't like something, so they're like, oh, the main character is a Mary Sue, and it, that always gets on my nerves. That is, in essence, what, like, if you had a definite character of that, it would be Wonder Woman. And not just in the sense of, like, you can't stop her, because you really can't. In the sense of the biggest problem that her character has, I think, that we've seen in the DCU so far is she doesn't learn anything... the first movie you have her adjusting to human culture. So she kind of learns that, but she doesn't learn anything about bettering herself because she's already perfect. And it's the same thing here in this movie where Diana's pretty much already perfect. And because of that, her character can't go through any development because she's already where she needs to be. 
And that is probably the biggest flaw with Wonder Woman's character in these movies is that you can't you can't do anything with her. The only thing you could do in this movie, which thank goodness they did, or it would have been much more uninteresting, is have her lose her powers. And mm-hmm. that's all you can do. Like with Superman, because people bring up this with Superman a lot, like, yes, he's super powerful and it's hard to stop him without kryptonite, but you could do emotional stories with Superman, right? Like you can, unless he's written like he is in the DCEU, you, you can do stories where he grows as a person because he is raised as a human with a conscience and all those kind of things. So you can do those types of stories. Whereas with Wonder Woman, the way she's written in these movies, you can't, there's no room for growth as a character. And that's what I see your point completely where it's like, she comes in and kills these guys. Uh, I mean, I know she doesn't actually kill them, but she throws them out of the third story of a building onto a cop car and it shatters and sure they move afterwards, but she just murders these guys. And then it's the Batman syndrome of I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to make you pay $400,000 in medical fees. <laughs> right. I'm going to make you commit suicide because you can't afford your medical bills. <laughs> uh, but I like the I like the opening in the mascara. I like this. And then I like the stuff where we kind of see what Diana's been doing just in day to day life. Um. I was really hoping to get a little more because that's kind of the next scene. Really, you have you have the Themyscira uh, scene, and then you have that kind of set piece in the mall where nobody calls her Wonder Woman, um, and she just shows up to stop some. I do like that though that they actually did show her, you know, not just dealing with these huge world-ending threats. Like it's sort of the thing that Raimi did well in his movies, where it was like. Like, yes, we'll show Spider-Man stopping Doc Ock from destroying the city, but we'll also show him, you know, uh, just saving people. Like, we'll show him uh, in a montage. It's from getting hit by a car. Absolutely. And I really like those aspects uh, in comic book movies because we don't really see them especially as much anymore. And especially in these, these DCEU movies, we barely see those scenes. Like, they just, they do their big thing and then they're done. And so I liked seeing that. And then the next thing we cut to is Diana at work and she works as an archeologist, which I think is neat. Um, I don't know if there's comic backing for that. I don't read one Roman comics, so I don't know if that's her job in, in the comics or not, but I, I like the, the setting of the office there. I like kind of the, the atmosphere that it creates. Um, like the people who were there kind of bounced off each other. Well, I wish they had dived a little bit more into that. Whereas like, if you're going to have her be an archeologist, like Indiana Jones, this guy, like take this movie and have her go on like an archeological yeah. dig or whatever. Like That would have been a great way to introduce the wishing stone. So like, I think they specifically mentioned that it, it came the last time it was seen was in Mayan culture, which right. would be like, would have been great to see her go to this place and like uncover it and try and document and everything. Um, I think if there's one thing that the live-action DCU has done well, it's putting her as an archaeologist, because I think that makes a lot of sense, considering who she is. Um, in the comics, she was... I'm trying to remember here. I think she was an like, army nurse for a while, and then she became a military officer. Uh, then she, she kind of bounced around to just kind of being an employee and a businesswoman and stuff like that. And then last time I remember, I think she worked at the UN. Uh, okay. Maybe 
for Themyscira, but I think just in general, kind of keeping tabs open. Gotcha. Well, I really like the ar- archaeology thing, and I think that's a really neat thing to explore in the future. Uh, I would love to see an Indiana Jones-style uh, adventure movie with Wonder Woman. I think that would be a whole lot of fun, and you could kind of put some of those character complaints that we talked about at the beginning kind of in the background, because Indiana Jones is close to a perfect character. He normally doesn't learn anything in his movies. His It's all about the adventure, and I think that would be neat uh, to explore with Diana's character. How weird is it that this wishing stone that's been through all of these major cultures was in the back room of a shop at the mall? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I... That was something I was thinking about when I was watching the movie. I, like I was just watching, I was like, "Wait, how does how does Maxwell Lord come in?" And from what I can tell, he comes in because Cheetah uses the wishing stone to be wanted, essentially. Uh, see, I, I'm pretty sure Maxwell Lord was looking for the wishing stone before. Um, they never explicitly say that, but he keeps telling people he has a plan, and then he knows about the wishing stone already. He's looking for the wishing stone and gets it from. Um, Cheetah. So I, I'm pretty sure he was looking for it beforehand. Now, how he found out about it, I have no idea. Um, but I'm pretty sure that was like part of his his plan always involved the Wishing Stone. I, I'm pretty sure. But it's been... I saw this movie on Christmas Day, so you've seen it more recently than me. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't remember. I, like, I remember him saying he has a plan and stuff like that, uh, which was great. Uh, and I liked... So I think you mentioned this before. I like that when they bring it out, a guy walks past. It's like, man, I wish I had a cup of coffee. And someone walks in. And like, oh. I mean, I got this cup of coffee for so and so, but they're out today. And he's like, I'll take it. Uh, and he drinks. Ah, oh, it's too hot. And it's just a great. I, I would have loved for more of those like little gags where people wish for just really minute stuff, and it bites them in the back. Yeah, I would need to rewatch it. I'm sure there's more than. It would be weird if they just put in one, right? Like it would be weird if there was only one thing. I'm sure there's more. Happens to is a British comedian. Which I also found slightly odd because he's pretty. I mean, he's pretty big here. It, it felt weird to give him a bit part in the movie out of anyone. Well, I, I had no idea who he was, so that may have played something into it. Um, another thing that's odd, and maybe you can explain this because you've seen it more recently than me. I didn't think about this until somewhat recently. So when Maxwell Lord, uh, once again, we're in spoilers. So if you've been listening this far and didn't hear us say that we're talking spoilers, we're talking spoilers. When Maxwell Lord becomes the Wishing Stone, because that's sort of the catalyst that sets off this movie, is Maxwell Lord, uh, he wishes to, he does the classic genie story, which really, if if you think about this whole movie, this movie is a genie story, which I'm kind of a sucker for anyway. I've always liked the idea that, like, I've always liked that sort of mythology where you ask for a wish, but it doesn't always work out. Like there's two sides to every corn, corn, (laughs) two sides to every coin. (laughs) I've always liked that idea. And so this movie basically being a feature length comic book version of that was neat for me. Um, But so Maxwell Lord wishes to become, he does the, I wish for more wishes thing and he wishes to become the wishing stone. And so that's the catalyst that sets off the whole movie. Now, when he does that, do the people who wished before get another wish through him? I I guess so, because Cheetah goes on to be like, oh, I wish I could be the apex predator for some reason. Right. Um, which I I didn't understand that. that Same. Much. They kind of set up because she liked Diana's cheetah print boots and there was a cheetah in her office. 
there's, there's a lot of cheetah related stuff surrounding her. Like a guy walks by and he's got like a cheetah belt or something like that. It's just like, does she just are cheetahs drawn to her in the grand scheme of the universe? I don't know about the belt thing because I never noticed that, but I know she had one in her office. So I would assume she just likes cheetahs and that's why she liked Diana's shoes, maybe? I have a lot of issues with this movie, uh, particularly due to the setup. Um, I, I like For a movie that's two and a half hours, it does not seem to dedicate enough time to setting up most of the stories that it wants to pay off. And it somehow sets up too many things for the pointless stuff, like yeah. Cheetah. It, well, it sets up the idea that the president has a way to talk to every screen on Earth at once. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, which, I, I love that because it comes out of literally nowhere. Like, Max Lord is talking to the president, he turns around, and it's just schematics laid out. It's like, hey, what's all of this that would allow me to touch every person on Earth at once? Yeah. The, the science of it all, I'm not smart enough to figure out, and I'm not going to pretend to try and figure out. So I'm right. just well, going to ignore that. <laughs> it gets a bit of leeway with the technicalities of that. I just, I don't know. I guess you could explain half the movie as like the wishing stone blending reality to push its will forward. But even that's a bit, eh. Yeah, like, I, I think I think you mix that with, I think this movie works. It, it's so much different tonally than the rest of the DCEU where this movie almost operates as a science fiction movie as opposed to um, where the other ones, like the, the rest of this universe seems to be like a real, well, real. It's, it's like a real world take on comic book movies, which is not my cup of tea, but it is some people's cup of tea and that's fine. It's like, this is our real human world, like the one that us actual people live in, but there's superheroes in it. Whereas this seems to be a little more along the lines of, oh, this is a little like techier science fiction based world where Wonder Woman operates. And I think that still fits with the first movie, given as the first movie takes place in World War One. I, I think this still fits with that. But this movie feels really disconnected from the rest of that established kind of universe which isn't a problem for me. I've seen it be a problem for some other people, but DC said probably a year, maybe a year and a half ago now after justice league came out. Yeah. We're done focusing on the cinematic universe stuff. It hasn't worked out. We're going to focus more on solo movies. So now that they've said that I kind of take this, you know, as okay, this is a, you know, wonder woman is a saga somewhat disconnected from the rest of this universe. And I can accept that. Well, I, I accept that. I, what I don't accept is any reason this movie should be in 1984. I, so I don't necessarily love the whole 80s nostalgia trend. However, I think it worked well for this movie, not because it was 80s nostalgia, but because it, it's very clear to me that one of the things Patty Jenkins was doing was paying homage to like you know, the 70s Wonder Woman show and the Richard Donner Superman movies and sort of that era of comic book media, it's very clear that she's, I mean, even by, even to the extent of putting Linda Carter in this movie, like she really wants to pay homage to that era of comic book movies. This, this movie plays tonally a whole lot like the first two Superman movies and a whole lot like that uh, Linda Carter Superman or Linda Carter Wonder Woman series. So I think the for, Linda Carter Superman series, yes. I think that sort of tone and that sort of homage 
uh, benefited from this movie taking place in the 80s. But outside of that, I agree, there's no real reason for it to take place in the 80s. But I also don't think it hindered the movie necessarily. Not not particularly. It just kind of took me out every now and again. I was like, wait, why is all of this happening? It, it For me, it was like, I just forgot uh, until I saw, you know, Steve Trevor in a in a fanny pack. I kind of forgot that it w- that we were in the eighties at all because it doesn't really. The movie doesn't well, yeah, focus it's on, a, it it's a, on. Admittedly, that's a nitpick more than anything else. It right. just like it, it wasn't a big reason. A big reason would be why did it take away Maxwell Lord's health and not his connection to his son? Well, I think that kind of shows. I mean, I would agree with you. I would have done it. I think it really kind of because, did both, but... Um, well, that, you, you can say, oh, it shows he values his health more than some, but then that contradicts the ending. I don't know. It just, it, a lot of this movie just kind of felt a bit kind of... Like, it could have... <laughs> as much well as I hate saying it, it should have had more scenes dedicated to stuff in the movie. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you wholeheartedly. It did not need any more scenes <laughs> at all. I think they did set up the health stuff. Um, well, they they tell they needs like vitamins because he gets headaches. Well, it, it's not only that he he he's he's taking all these vitamins and he's drinking these like fruit smoothies and he's doing all these things for his health. So they did kind of set it up. One of the things I said to you that I think for me gives me a lot more leeway on this movie than I think um, maybe you have or some other people I've talked to. This movie is a very simple plot, and it's also mm. very complicated because it's got so many different webs. But all of those different webs are super simple stories, almost like like a cartoon or like a like a like a children's series where it's like it's very bare bones, very simple, like in a simple story. You have a guy if you were telling a fairy tale like Cinderella or whatever, you have a guy who's really, you know, he's he's somewhat health conscious. He's got a relationship with his son, but he, he takes vitamins and he goes for a jog every morning. W- when you put that genie story, like what's, what is the genie going to take away from him? Well, of course it's going to be the, it's going to be the, the health thing. Cause that's, that one is different and it's kind of, kind of a, a character aspect. Whereas relationship with his son is sort of like you would hope everybody has that. Like everybody wants a good relationship with their son. Whereas not everybody is so focused on their health. So I think from a, it doesn't make sense. Like, not that it doesn't make sense. The the Sun thing would have worked better for a deeper story, but I don't think this movie was trying to be that. I think it want because even like the the Richard Donner Superman movies, for instance, super simple plot. Like the first one is literally Superman becomes Superman, meets Lois Lane, Lex Luthor wants to sell real estate, Superman stops Lex Luthor, that's the end of the movie. So it's this very bare bones simple movie, but it still kind of works because the, the simplicity kind of drives that story. And I think this one works for me in that same way. But I, I, I do see why people don't like this movie as much as me. Um, well, I, I, I think part of it is, uh, like, like we've spoken about this to a couple of our friends. People have forgotten what comic book movies are like because no one's seen one in about a year. Right. Well, that that's definitely part of it. I, I, I don't necessarily want to use the excuse like, oh, it's a comic book movie because there are you know, deeper, headier comic book movies that you do have to think about some stuff and your actions do have consequences. But then at the same time, there are comic book movies where your actions don't have consequences and things don't matter that play a whole lot like this that people like more. Um, so I, I will say it just the once. It is a comic book movie. 
And, and you could compare something like, um, uh, I, I would say, let's use Captain America Civil War, for instance, like kind of by the end of that movie, like there are some leftover consequences because it's a cinematic universe, but by the end, it, that's also a very simple story. Like it doesn't get to, you don't have to think much about what's going on. Like nobody's thinking about like why the the planes were in the hangar fueled up in that movie, but they do say it here. Like people complain about the, the jet at the Smithsonian being fueled up. Whereas nobody said anything about that when it was um, Captain America Civil War that did the same thing. And, and I'm not saying that ca- this is a better movie than Captain America Civil War because it's not. Um, and I don't even particularly love Captain America Civil War. But there are little things like that that people are complaining about in this movie. Whereas they people are nitpicking this movie a whole lot more than I've seen them nitpick a lot of other comic book movies that I would say are equally as nitpickable. And that's the part that's kind of getting under my skin a bit um, because I did enjoy it and I did have a lot of fun with this movie. And it's one that I'll definitely, I'll probably watch it more than I'll watch the first one because I got more enjoyment out of it. And um, the first one kind of bored me, Um, (laughs) but, but it is just this, this simple story. So Maxwell Lord, um, he, he becomes the wishing stone. But before that happens, and this is something you brought up to me before we were recording, before that happens, Cheetah wishes that she would be more like Diana. And that kind of sends off her story, which I think is the weakest plot of the whole. You have really three main plots. You've got the Maxwell Lord plot. You've got the uh, um, Steve Trevor and Diana plot. And then you've got the Cheetah plot. And those are really the big three that kind of weave at the same time, which is part of the problem with this movie. You don't need an a b and a c plot you really just need an a and a b plot yeah it should have been two separate movies um you should have had you could you should have either gone with uh like you know wonder woman versus cheetah and making a very down-to-earth story about a woman and her friend that she makes and how they change and evolve through that or you should have done the maxwell lord stuff where it's like her and steve against maxwell lord and it just it felt like because they went with it, it's the classic DC issue of because they went with both, you couldn't flesh out either. Right. Um, and and I, I love Batman Lord stuff, I should just say. And I think Chia's design was really nice. I think uh, I know a lot of people found her final fight to be underwhelming, but I was like, hey, it's, it's good enough. I enjoyed it. And, and I really liked um, I really liked her as Cheetah. I think she did a great job in that role and with that performance. That plot was just kind of tossed to the side and it's almost like and it was a full fleshed out plot like that could have been a whole movie dedicated to that done and written the same way and and it would have been better because it would have been the focus but it's almost like that's the plot you kind of forget about um so let's talk about that plot just a little more like let's let's kind of run through it well yeah like so uh, she meets uh diana meets barbara at work uh and they they try and like Barbara's this kind of she's every comic book character that ever since Batman Returns where they're like they're klutzy and clumsy and they're like oh, I'm sorry I'm just quirky and so weird and it's like but then something happens and then they change to this confident smooth uh, just outgoing person 
Uh, so Barbara meets her. She wishes that she was more like Diana because she thinks Diana's like pretty and cool and outgoing and smart and all these things. And as a result of that, she ends up getting some of her powers. Uh, that, like that's why I tell she got some super strength and super speed and stuff. I think um, she gets all of her powers. Right. Well, Diana doesn't have that much power outside of like the lasso, and right. that's not hers. That's something she stole. Right. Yeah, I think she doesn't she get shot at one point uh, i can't remember if barbara gets shot at some point or not I, and I, she, she moves like at super speed and stuff like that right um, but yeah so that happens and they're like oh we need to get maxwell law to renounce his wish which would then announce all of the wishes uh to stop everyone dying and she's like no i like being confident and cool and uh she beats up a man because every man in this is some kind of pervert uh right. Out of, uh, well, out of the two men that are in the whole movie, other than Maxwell yeah. Lord. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, like, she she beats up this man who previously tried to assault her, it seemed. Yeah. Um, but um, then, well, then, then she ends up saving Maxwell Lord's life because they're trying to stop him, obviously. And she's like, no, I want to be this. And she goes, I wish I was an apex predator. And then she becomes a cheater. That's kind of it. Right. And like I said... That that's simple, which kind of fits in with the tone of the whole movie, which is something I didn't mind. That's a movie like that. That plot is a movie. It, it just you could develop and play out, drop Maxwell Lord entirely from this and play that out as the plot of this movie. Like she wants to keep on being Cheetah, but the the Wishing Stone is slowly taking away her her goodness and her humanity because it takes away the thing that you most value, which I guess to her would be her goodness and her humanity. I kind of took that as she wants to be like noticed and set apart from other people. And the thing that sets her apart from other people is her goodness and her humanity. So she gets like everybody loves her like Diana, but she loses the thing that she valued most. That's kind of how I took that. That's a movie in and of itself. You don't need the Maxwell Lord stuff to flesh out that plot, and you don't need that plot to flesh out the Maxwell Lord stuff. It's right. it's so weird and disconnected, and that's my personal biggest issue with the movie, is every time Cheetah was on screen, as much as I loved Kristen Wiig in this role, and I thought she was fun to watch, I wanted to get back to Diana and Steve Trevor, or I wanted to get back to Maxwell Lord. Like, I never wanted to stay on her for too long. Like, she'd come on screen, and I'd be like, oh, that's fun. And then I w- I'd want to get back to something else. I-, I got tired of it. And that, that like I said, my biggest issue with the movie would be that, because it's like, well, she's not necessary, and the other stuff is so much more interesting. Not that this is bad, but the other stuff is so much more interesting that I would rather be watching that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like... None of this movie is particularly awful. Like I, I didn't watch any part of it and go, "Oh, that was just terrible." Other than a few special effects, they must have got the the Flash CG team for some of the running parts. I want to save that for the end because I we can both rant about the special effects, but I'll, I'll <laughs> but, save uh, that. But yeah, for, for the most part, the movie, the worst that the movie gets is dull or uninteresting. I, uh, yeah, I could agree with that. I. I don't know. I wasn't too disinterested the whole time because I, the most uninteresting stuff in the movie was probably the love story. 
but their chemistry was so good that I just kind of got sucked into the love story. So even, even I was never bored by this movie. I will say this, this to me didn't feel like a two and a half hour movie, except for the two times I had to get up to go pee because the movie's so long. Um, (laughs) I did find it interesting and it, it held my attention. And I do think that benefited from me seeing this in a movie theater. Like I think me sitting in a movie theater without my phone as a distraction, whatever, like devoting my actual attention to it, I think was a benefit to me, like not being bored by it. Um, but I was never, I never got to the point where I was like, Oh, this movie is so boring. Like, can we just skip on to the next thing? I just found the other stuff more interesting than I found this thing in particular. And so I'd be like, well, let's get back to this because this is more interesting. And I do think it was paced well in the fact that it did jump around to the more interesting stuff. It knew when to jump to back to Maxwell Lord because he's the most interesting part of the movie. And then it knew when to jump back to the love story and it knew when to jump back to Cheetah. It like, Mm. it, it knew it's like the movie. It's like Patty Jenkins was sitting behind the camera saying, okay, people are bored now. Let's move on. Like it was like the second I started to get bored with something, it would jump to something else. And I, I, I will say I respect the movie a lot for that because that's a thing that most movies don't know how to do is jump to the next thing when I'm getting bored. Yeah. 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 I mean, okay. Well, I just want to, I know we said it a lot, but Pedro Pascal, what a man. Oh man. I'm, I'm so happy that he's like, he's blowing up now. Um, because he's, he's, just fantastic he he chews the scenery he's having fun every time and like towards the end when he looks like a a drug addict like he's got a burst blood vessel in his eye his veins are popping out and he's just like hobbling around it's like what you what you what you wish for and he's so evil he is so evil in this movie it's like we just don't see villains like that anymore It, it and i loved it and he did such a good job with it i will say this Right now, while we're talking about Pascal, everybody in this movie, except for Gal Gadot, does a great job with what they're given. Um, yeah, yeah. Kristen Wiig is f- fantastic. Uh, Chris Pine, of course, is fantastic. Pedro Pascal just blew it out of the water. Like, even that guy who played the president played him so... He played him almost completely straight in a scene that should have been... That, that was almost done as, like, a comedy scene. Like... And the extras and the little, like the guy with the, the cows. I loved that where, where he goes, I, I told a guy I wanted a farm. I didn't mean I wanted it at my apartment. Like that, <laughs> like those little, those little extras, yeah. they did great. I don't think they're, even the kid, uh, Maxwell Lord's son, I think did a fine job for a child actor. So everybody mm, in this movie, yeah. except for Gal Gadot, did a great job with what they're given. Fun, uh, fun fact about the guy who played not Ronald Reagan in this movie he, uh, he was the guy who played Nixon in Doctor Who. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know why they didn't go with... Ronald... I, 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 I don't know. I guess they wanted to stray from being political, but like... But they were I already mean, kind of political with Pedro Pascal. Yeah, know, being like an allegory for Trump. Yeah, he, he uh, almost... He reminded me a lot of... Um, what's his name from Gremlins 2? I can't remember his oh, name. Uh, 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 Clamp. Yes, Clamp. He reminded me a lot of him. And uh, there's a lot of sort of Ted Turner in Pedro Pascal, whereas like Ted Turner from the 80s, where he's like this TV personality and he's got all these huge commercials. Uh, And then a bit of Trump in there with the fact that he was kind of like a tycoon 
um, of of the industry. So I think that's yeah. a, uh, they didn't shy away from that. I don't think it was necessarily intentional that it was supposed to be that, but they certainly didn't shy away from it. So it's interesting that they didn't put Reagan in the movie. Um, I don't know, but I, I did I did all. I think everyone in this movie takes what they were given and handles it really well, except for Gal Gadot. And I'm really going to stress that um, because she's definitely acting wise, probably the worst in the movie. I think we'll yeah, both agree with that. I, you, you never really see. Like, there's some parts where she's like, she's almost getting an emotion for me. And I'm just kind of like, eh, I, like there's nothing on her face. Nothing in the plot took me out of the movie. Like, no, like like you were saying, the 80s stuff kind of took you out. It didn't really do that for me. Gal Gadot took me out of the movie. Unless she's with Chris Pine, which for whatever reason just keeps me sucked in. Unless she's with I, um, Chris Pine, I was just completely sucked out because... See, I, uh, I also... Did, one of the other things that took me out of the movie, and probably the only thing I would say is a legitimate complaint I have, is that the lasso of truth has become a huge deus ex machina. Like... They just use that for whatever. Like, oh, it can. Uh, like, I, 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 my suspension of disbelief goes far when you're talking about Greek gods and mythology and combat characters and stuff like that. But like, this is this is a tool that went from being able to lasso people to tell them the truth, which is okay, cool, I got that. And then it's like, oh, it can also whip on lightning. It has infinite length. Uh, you can use it to talk through people. You can use it to show people visions. You can use it to make people see what you want to see. It just, I don't know, it, it got a bit too, like, like you're going a bit too far for me now, Wonder Woman 84. I was with it until, I, I completely see what you're saying. I was with it. I was fine with it. Like, I was fine with it showing Steve Trevor the visions, whatever. She just yeah. explained it by. It, it was the end that tipped me over the edge. Right. She explained it by. Oh, it's not, it doesn't just make you tell the truth. The lasso itself is the truth. And I was fine with that. But then at the end, when like all the screens just turn gold for whatever reason, that's when you kind of lost me with the lasso of truth. Yeah. I, I know. Something a bit more defined would have been a bit nicer there. Like, yeah. Or set that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I know we say it, we said it a lot in this, in this talk, but it's a two and a half hour movie that doesn't set up anything it needs to set up. Not, not that it doesn't set up anything. It doesn't set up a lot of things. It does. Set, it it does. It like half set that up, and that that's probably the best way I can describe most of the movie. Well, it's like it's like they remembered. Oh, we need to set stuff up, and so they started the process of set. Like, okay, uh, Bob is a nice guy. How do you ha, nice girl? How do you show that? Oh, she gives this homeless man hot food. Okay, cool. What else? Uh, uh, she she stays back late for jobs that wasn't her. Okay, you need to actually tell us that and don't just show us her working after establishing that she doesn't go out much, that she's socially awkward. Right. Uh, 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 that's it. And I, then next thing you know, she's a she's an awful person who hates everyone. <laughs> it's like it's the bare minimum amount of what we need. The whole movie is is in terms of setup specifically. It's the bare minimum of setup we need for this. To, we need to show that Diana is still hung up on Steve Trevor. Okay, there are pictures in her house. Done. Bam. Bare minimum setup. He men yep. She mentions him in an offhand comment at dinner. Bam. Setup. Uh, Barbara um, is kind of a loner. Okay, she wears glasses. Bam. Setup. Like, it's like all of these things are the bare minimum. Uh, Pedro Pascal uh, wants a relationship with his son. Okay, he's in his office for one scene. Bam. Setup. 
Uh, Pedro Pascal cares about his health. Okay, he's drinking a green smoothie and taking vitamins. It's like all of these things, yes, they're set up, but it's like they're set up. You need more than one scene. Right. It's set up in a way that's like, like I said, bare bones, bare minimum. And you kind of forget it by the time the scene's over because it isn't drawn upon like you forget that that was even set up to begin with and then you just move on to the next thing and and that's that's sort of kind of the whole movie it's it's not like that's one time that that happens the whole movie is that and that would be another complaint for me and once again i got a whole lot of enjoyment out of this movie so it's not that huge of a complaint i I didn't hate this movie uh for all the complaints i have like i said the worst thing that it got was uninteresting i think you would have enjoyed it more had you seen it in a theater quite possibly yes i merely seen in my room where i had a lot of distractions and every time it started losing me i could just kind of look at my phone and in which case it would just lost me more 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 right did not help (laughs) right um but everything is paid off so big and this is the same problem that the first wonder woman has too it's paid off so big and so over the top for such a small setup that the movie feels somewhat unbalanced. Um, and that would probably be a really good way to just kind of finalize my thoughts on the movie. Enjoyable, but it was it was it was unbalanced. You could call it like top heavy. Yeah, yeah. Like the uh, yeah. the end of the movie is so stuffed full of payoff, whereas the beginning of the movie is so lacking of setup that the whole thing feels like just disbalanced and top heavy, and that makes well, the ending feel cluttered and the beginning feel pointless. Well, like, when I was watching it, like I said, I th- like I said earlier, the first half of the movie basically just didn't grab me at all. And then the second half did. And that's because it started paying off all of these things they never really set up in the first place. And it's like, you could cut this movie in half and still have basically the same movie. Yeah, absolutely. You could release it as a part one and part two. And it would still be feature length because the movie's two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only movie I've ever seen that was two and a half hours and even needed to be that long is probably Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I don't. I'm of the like minority. even Endgame, even Endgame. I'm of the minority who thinks Lord of the Rings is too long, but yeah, I, 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 my issue with Lord of the Rings is that I have to read another Bible in addition to the actual <laughs> Bible to be able to understand it. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I. I tend to agree with you. I. I don't know. Like I said, this movie is just. I like I said, if you can see it in a theater, and I guess we'll kind of wrap up. Oh, we got to talk about special effects. Can't forget that. Let's talk about special effects, and then we'll wrap it up with recommendations. Simultaneously, fantastic and lacking. (laughs) Visually, it was gorgeous. I think it's probably special effects quality aside from a a visual standpoint, both cinematography and color-wise. The color grading was great. The set pieces were... The best thing about it? Yeah. everything, Everything felt gold. And and shimmery and and shiny and it, in terms of eighties nostalgia, if you want to talk about that for a second, this was the best way to grade a to color grade an eighties nostalgia movie, I think, because it was beautiful looking, like, and it kind of set that atmosphere, and uh, and the sets were great, and the set pieces, the stuff on Themyscira was gorgeous. 
And even like the special effects that they were trying to do were really neat. I particularly, I know some people have complaints about it. I particularly think the scene where Diana learns to fly while the, the special effects are rough it visually oh that that was another thing i just I, this is a completely different thing from the special effects but i that came out of nowhere for me yeah i they once again they have set it up when when they're in the jet yes when they're but, when steve and diana are in the jet he says that all flying is is just floating on the air they stole that from toy story like he he out loud says like yeah well right. and then she hears it back when she starts flying but like i, I don't know like there, there's there's no hint to her being able to do that at all. I do think it's like less along the lines of how Superman can fly. I do think it is more along the lines of just like, oh, she's riding the wind kind of thing. Um, I think that makes more sense in my brain with what they set up. But once again, it's bare minimum setup for a big payoff. It's the same issue that we were already talking about. But I think that scene looks nice. Uh, special effects aside, like like what they were trying to do looks nice. Her swinging on the lightning, what they were trying to do looks nice. But the special effect, it, it almost, it feels like the special effects are incomplete. Um, yeah, yeah that, like, that's probably the best way to put it. Like, Which is weird, considering that the movie got delayed. I said before, before I really started thinking about the delays and stuff, what it felt like to me was they, they said, okay, this is home release, just turn in what you've got like let's just wrap up the special effects as quick as we can and turn it in it's only going to home release like it's not you know whatever that's what it felt like but that's probably not it because the movie was supposed to come out like a year ago so it's meant to come out in summer right so it's like they had extra time to work on it so you would think they would perfect these unless when but but the movie was supposed to be done by then the last three months i wouldn't think are that special effects heavy in terms of development so I don't know, but they just the special effects looked rough, and the costume. Um, our friend Colin pointed out to me that because I noticed something was off about the costume, so I asked him like, "What was what was the deal?" And he explained to me, basically, they made uh, Diana's costume instead of making it out of a hard plastic like they made um, her previous costume out of, they made it out of a silicone rubber, which I would assume is for Gal Gadot's convenience. But you can really tell. In the way well, that it, it moves, it, it, it's worse whenever it, whenever it moves. It's worse because it looks like it creases. Yeah, and the um, even worse than her main costume was the 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 chicken suit at the end. Um, that one just really like she's laying on the ground and it's like it's literally crimped up in the corners. It's like yeah, that shouldn't happen. This thing is made of solid gold. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah, um, it, I don't know. Uh, if you, I, I mean, final thoughts. Yeah, let's let's do recommendations. So, give it a rating out of ten, and would you recommend it? Um, okay, so this is from an at-home standpoint of watching it. I would probably give it just like it's. I mean, it's a bit yeah, but I'd probably go with a five. Like it's like I say, straight down the middle. It isn't a great movie. It's not an awful movie. It's good to watch midday when you're tired and there's nothing on TV. Okay. I would give it, number one, formal recommendation. If you can see this movie in the theater, do it. Uh, if you, if you have, well, of course, stay safe. Be, 
stay safe. If you don't feel comfortable going to a movie theater, I completely understand that. If your theater's not distancing and all that kind of stuff, that's a completely different story. If you can safely go see this in a movie theater, do it. You're going to get a whole lot more enjoyment out of. If you are going to watch this movie at home, do your best to kind of limit those distractions if you really want to try to get some enjoyment out of it. Because I do think, I, I know I would have enjoyed it less had I been able to just get on the on my phone at the points that lost me. But, but then the movie kind of corrects itself in that and you're going to miss that from watching it at home unless you limit those distractions. So, yes, yes. I'm going to um, give it... I think it's also worth stating that if you're if you're someone who really wants to watch this movie but you also want to socially distance and you want to stay safe, watch it at home. You'll get like yes. you'll get much more enjoyment out of it than I will. Uh I I watched it because it's a comic book movie that I knew I'd probably want to check out at some point, but I wasn't like fully interested. If you're one of those people who really wants to watch this movie, you're really excited, you will get just as much enjoyment from it as you would in a movie theater. Yeah, I also made you watch it so we would talk about it on the podcast. Like you didn't have a choice to watch this movie. No, no. I've got something else to watch for next week. Yes, and we're we'll we'll, we'll wrap up with that. I'm going to give this movie a 7 out of 10. Um because I did really this is a movie that I'm going to watch again. I liked it better than I liked the first Wonder Woman, which I haven't heard many people say, but I also don't particularly care for the first Wonder Woman. And my favorite part of that movie was done better in this movie, which we didn't really talk about. My favorite part of the first Wonder Woman is the fish out of water storyline. Uh, Cause I'm a sucker for a good fish out of water story. And this, this movie does that better uh, with a better actor and a better written character being the fish out of water. So I enjoyed this one more um, for that reason. Um, and I, I do, I think it's so at the same time, it pains me to say that this is a beautiful looking movie because it's not at the same time. Like it's both gorgeous and, and really bad looking at the same time. But like I said, (laughs) seven, it's very 50, 50, (laughs) right? Uh, Seven out of 10. Um, once again, if you can stay safe, uh, but make sure safety is your first priority. Don't risk your life to go see Wonder Woman 84. It's not worth it, I promise. <laughs> um, but if you can stay safe, go check it out in a theater. Um, I have a local theater here, so maybe check out one of those. It's it's much smaller. There aren't a whole lot of people, that kind of thing. So I was able to stay safe. But if you do watch it at home, try to limit those distractions because I do think that the movie will benefit um, from limited distractions. Like even if you get mm. bored, maybe don't take out your phone. Maybe go, maybe before you go to bed, like the last two hours before you go to bed, plug your phone up and watch this movie. <laughs> and then you, you'll, you'll probably get a little more enjoyment out of it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I would definitely recommend it, especially if you're excited to see it because I wasn't particularly excited. Um, it was better than I thought it would be. Right, I it was significantly because I it was significantly better than I thought it was going to be. I went into this movie expecting to fully hate it, um, but yeah, I, I it's fun, it's enjoyable. Seven out of ten. Yeah. Well, you didn't give it a seven out of ten. You gave it a five, Josh. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just trying to. I'm thinking back on my ideas. I'm just like, yeah, maybe I boosted up to a six because uh, it did claw up. A- a lot back for me from some of the performances but um yeah I, I, i'd say ultimately go watch it at some point don't risk your life for it but absolutely not take, take a take a take a viewing for it i don't want people to think that me saying see this movie in a theater means i need to risk my life to see wonder woman 84 because you don't you absolutely don't i didn't no, risk no. my life to go see it there were like it was the most people i've seen it because uh my theater here is doing i saw tenet 
uh, in the theater and my theater uh, locally, they do classic movies while there aren't movies coming out just so that they don't have to shut their doors. Um, so I go see those every now and then, and there's usually like two other people in the entire auditorium. So I'm pretty <laughs> safe distance. And there were like seven in, in Wonder Woman 84. It was the most people I've seen in a movie theater since the pandemic hit. Um, but I was um, still, I was still safe and, and distance, whatever. Don't risk your life for this movie. But if yeah. you do have a safe opportunity to see it in a movie theater, I think you'll enjoy it significantly more than seeing it at home. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, uh, but yeah, this has been a good talk. I'm very excited for what we have to talk about next week. Are we going to uh, set it up? Are we going to explain what we're going to do next week? Cause I'm, I haven't been this excited for a podcast topic in a long time. If you want to go talk about it, you can talk about it. Let's do it. Okay, so next week, because we need to give people homework, our regular listeners who listen week to week. We need to give them homework so that, because next week we're going to be talking spoilers like no nobody's business. So mm-hmm. your homework this week is to watch season one and at least start season two, because it's going to take you more than a week to get through, of <laughs> Twin Peaks. It's on, is it on Netflix for you? Uh, no, for us, it's on Now TV or Sky, if you have either of those. Uh, other than that, use totally legal methods of trying to watch it. Uh, Cinemax have it. No, not Cinemax. Uh, Criterion have it, which is a channel you can get on Amazon Prime if, you want, if you're like me and you like watching stuff actually legally. Right. Um, it's on Netflix but, if you're in America, just so you're clear. Um, this, this, watch season one of Twin Peaks, start season two. We're going to be doing a full deep dive into season one and then we'll follow that up with a discussion of season two um then we're going to talk about the film twin peaks fire walk with me and then we will do uh the fourth part in this little saga um twin peaks the return which is on showtime so your homework for now is to start twin peaks if you haven't seen it and um and go through it because i like i said i haven't been this excited to talk about something on the podcast in in a very long time Mm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this has been a good talk. Uh, We'll see you all next week. Uh, And that has been Josh and Dalton from Semi Pro.